0: My name is Janae Bradford, and I am a graduate assistant at the Donald W. Reynolds National Center for Business Journalism at Arizona State University. Here, we produce written and multimedia business stories ranging from real estate to sports with hopes to provide other business journalists with resources for their work. This year, we are honored to host the 16th Annual Barlett and Steel Awards for the Best in Investigative Journalism. I was given the opportunity to interview the bronze winner in the national category. Bloomberg journalist Caleb Melby, Polly Massens, Jackie Davalos, and Jillian Tan received this award for the publication of ADHD Drugs Are Convenient to Get Online, Maybe Too Convenient. This story highlights what they call the questionable practices of telehealth company Cerebral Incorporated. Many have spoken out about the quick prescription of ADHD medication to desperate clients. I was able to speak with Caleb and Polly about their reporting process and the impact of covering a sensitive topic for many people. Caleb Melby has been on Bloomberg's investigation team since 2017 and focuses his work around real estate billionaires. After working for numerous publications prior, Polly Massens came to Blueberg seven years ago as a part of the digital team and is currently one of the editors for Investigative Stories. The question of practice's story idea was generated in a way the majority of society
1: spends their time on social media. I... Was watching a lot of TikTok in the pandemic. Um, I think all of us were locked in our house, probably watching a lot of TikTok, whether we admit it or not. And I had noticed a really intense influx in um, advertisements for companies that treated the symptoms of ADHD and cerebral Was one of those companies. And something that had really stuck with me about the marketing was that a lot of it was geared and um, written in a way that especially spoke to women in their 30s, who had previously been really under an undiagnosed ADHD population in the United States. Being the journalist she is, Massens began to save the ads and created
0: an account specifically to get the algorithm to include more of them in her activity. This allowed Massens and Melby to have a better understanding of how cerebral used social media to present an easily accessible service during the COVID nineteen pandemic.
2: Uh, They were different than I expected. ads to look for a mental health service, and we just started calling former um, medical professionals for the company basically right away, um, and it was it was this this thing where I think it was either our first or our second interview where uh, one of the nurses we spoke with said, I was wondering when I was going to get this call, um, which of course as a journalist is a thing that lets you know you're on the right track.
0: Former medical practitioners with the company were more than willing to provide more sources to the reporters. With this being an industry that keeps receipts, Massenza and Melby were able to track how long patients were seeing doctors before being prescribed. They opened the article with the story of Janissa Barnes, a 30-year-old woman who became a cerebral client after finding an Instagram ad. Looking to help cope with anxiety, Barnes instead began hearing voices in her head after being prescribed five different medicines between four visits. One journalistic challenge was making professionals and clients like Barnes comfortable speaking up.
1: With patients, I think the main thing that I tried to focus on was the fact that this is a shared experience across millions of people and that they are not alone and their struggle and the way that they describe it is going to speak to a lot of people. Cause I think a lot of people who deal with health issues of any kind, but especially mental health issues often feel like they're alone on an island and that they're going to be really stigmatized and that no one's going to understand. So I often try to explain to them that like, you're not an island there's all these other people with you there must be because someone's using this app and someone's watching these ads you can't be alone and that if you describe to us your experience then you're going to be speaking to all those other people that might sort of feel isolated um as
2: well and we did end up getting four employees in different roles with the organization on the record which which was a fraction of the people who spoke to us but we were very happy for them to discuss uh, their experiences on the record
0: As journalists, it's necessary to understand the roadblocks that can come with reporting, especially on sensitive topics like mental health. Monsens and Melby were unable to have a private conversation with cerebral executives, but they were able to reference published statements in the story. Between the ads and anecdotes from clients, information came directly to reporters, but they always faced a challenge when making this story come true.
1: I think the other thing that that was a challenge for us at times is that a lot of this was happening in real time. And a lot of investigative work looks back at something that happened, you know, over many years. Um, and that's not the case here. The company was very fresh. it was It was very new. A lot of these patients were experiencing these issues in real time, and a lot of the employees were um reporting things to us that happened in real time as well. So, we didn't really have the benefit of the hindsight sometimes. You didn't have the benefit of five years of medical history or five years of professional experience.
0: Jackie Davalos and Jillian Tan contributed to the story by expanding on the executive issues in the company and were always ready to assist with additional reporting. Their voices were magnified into other Bloomberg stories. One of them covered the complexities of former CEO Kyle Robertson's departure from the company. The other story highlighted Cerebral's response to the DEA getting involved, resulting in the halt of writing ADHD medication.
2: Jackie Davalos really helped us cover Cerebral's competitors in a big way and in our subsequent story was the one who identified the patient um, with substance abuse issues that Dunn, a cerebral competitor, uh, brought on and gave Adderall to before he died of, of an overdose. The Bloomberg
0: reporters gave a lot of credit to their editors for being an extra set of eyes. And to this day, the story is still developing. Two months after the story ran, Robertson was replaced with David Moe, someone with more medical experience. A story with this many moving pieces requires a team of people looking out for different angles at all times. Their editing team, including Robert Blau, was able to help complete the story with ongoing details.
1: So Bob, along with a couple of our other editors, uh, Flynn McRoberts and John Bosco were helpful for us kind of all all throughout the process. Obviously, um, the line edits of the story were substantial. Uh, and we also had another editor, Dan Ferrara, and one of our features who we have to shout out, who's fantastic. Um, but I think a lot of what they were able to contribute, including what Bob was able to contribute, was about helping to shape the story and to be sure that we were always thinking about the story, um, not as like a really narrow, we're doing a story about this one app kind of thing, but like this broader commentary on telehealth and American healthcare
2: yeah i i think that's right and doing a story like this especially on the timeline that we did it on uh as a reporter you always have blind spots and when you work in a team like the two of us do you hopefully have fewer than if you're working on your own but even still asking hard questions forcing us to go to ground deeper than we had gone already to get answers to things that we didn't think to think to get The answers to the first time around and making sure we didn't save that spade work for the last minute is, I think, really how you get a definitive and clear story where you can really read it and feel like you understand what's going on.
0: As experienced journalists, Massenz and Melby were aware of the repercussions that could come with investigative reporting. It takes thick skin to be able to expose something and be able to defend the
1: reasoning behind covering the topic. But that wasn't a problem for the Bloomberg reporters. I was never concerned sort of about the fairness um, or the structure of our reporting because I felt like we had really been very diligent about it. So. It's never nice that someone's upset with you. But um, I think as long as your work can stand, it, it's also OK that they're upset with you.
0: you Nuka asks any journalist why they chose this career field. And it's not about the money or the fame, but it's about helping share information and stories so society can use your facts to create change. Through their work, Misenza and Melby were able to share experiences unique to some, but relatable for many.
2: And for me, when the story published, the audience more broadly, it became apparent that every a lot of people had had a situation like Polly had, where they had seen these ads that got Polly started on this in the very beginning and were like, what is going on here? And this was a story that could, for the first time, answer those questions. For me, it was very gratifying to see that. Like we had been able to help solve a riddle that had been on a lot of people's minds.
1: Yeah, I think when I think about sort of my stories and impact, I often think about what President Obama said at the end of his term, which is like... His entire career is actually just about moving things one degree forward, even if it takes a monumental amount of work. And I am certainly not the president doing anything that important, but I always sort of view my work as like, if I move things one degree forward, I shouldn't view that as I didn't do enough. I should view it as like, it's really important that we did something one degree forward, not penalize myself for not making something go 80 degrees forward.
0: After years of reporting on different topics, Massens and Melby have learned so much about the realities of the journalism industry. They know more than most how challenging it can be to condense months of information into stories one might read. If either of them could provide
1: the next generation of journalists with any advice, here's what they would say. I had someone who I really admire on our team once told me that ninety percent of people are not gonna talk to you and you cannot be offended by that, and that's okay. And just kind of keep on moving. That, that's just the nature of the work. It's not an indictment of your work. It doesn't mean your idea is bad. It's just the nature of the beast.
0: In a time where information is at our fingertips all the time, that means that the future of business journalism will only improve. It provides a rewarding feeling for journalists like Ms. Sens and Melby to wake up every day, knowing that their contributions are being recognized.
2: Yeah, we hope to do more work like this, uh, work that feels urgent, and meaningful uh, for a lot of people. Um, I think a lot of people think business journalism can't always do that, and it can't always do that, but it can often do that.
0: That was Bloomberg reporters Polly Massens and Caleb Melby, two of the bronze winners in the national category of the Barlett and Steel Awards. To everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in. For more information about the awards, go to our website, businessjournalism.org. From downtown Phoenix, I'm Janae Bradford with the Reynolds Center.
1: This is We Mean Business, sponsored by the Reynolds Center at Arizona State University.